All right, Classic FM 94.3, Abuja, the station that plays every song you know. It's exactly 10 a.m. by my time in the studios. And I know, yes, this is not the voice you usually hear at this time because the Classic Lounge doesn't start until 11 a.m. But we have a very special show today and we have a very special guest in the studio. So that's why I am here at this time. My name is Faith. Uh, thanks for joining me. I am joined in the studio by the Honorable Minister for Budget and National Planning, Senator Udo Doma. Welcome to the show sir thank you very much all right and um you can be a part of the show you know you can send him messages or comments you know if you have questions for him you can send it via whatsapp line that 0909-697-5943 or you can tweet at classic fm943 we have a lot to talk about you know on the show with him today and it's great that he honored our invitation to coming to the show so i mean i'm going to start sir you know with uh, the issue of the um 2018 budgets because i mean that's definitely um, is something that have had some opinions over time since it was passed and since it has been, you know, in fruition. Let's talk about uh, the 2018 budget. How would you say the 2018 budget has fared so far? Because we know that the Senate, they were complaining about the underperformance of the 2018 budget. In fact, uh, they said that, you know, the 2018 budget has performed below um, expectation will be low par. That's what they said. So I want to I want to get your thoughts on that. If you agree with them, uh, well, I, I think the 2018 budget has performed reasonably well. Uh, it has not been possible to perform 100 uh, percent because of revenue challenges. Uh, we have not generated as much revenues as we expected, um, and so that is why. So it's really a revenue challenge. And that is why this administration is concentrating on revenue initiatives. Uh, the Ministry of Finance has set up a committee to look at how to generate additional revenues. So that is what we are concentrating on, so that the 2019 budget performance could be better than 2018. Uh, but talking about revenue, um, there are some people who even feel that, you know, based on the budget that was presented by the president, you know, um, in December, that there seems to be on some over-ambitious expectation, talking about, um, you know, the oil production, you know, that it is not possible to have as much oil production that was assumed in the 2019 budget. I mean, if we had revenue shortfall for 2018 budget and you're basing this on this expectation of oil production, how do you now expect to fund the 2019 budget? Uh, let me say that um, a nation has to be ambitious. I don't think you should, uh, we should accept uh, because in one year we didn't meet expectation that we should suddenly reduce our expectation, no. What we should do is work harder to meet those expectations. There are two issues which have been in contention. Uh, one is the price of crude oil and the second is the production. Let me deal with the price first. Yes. When uh, we came out with the $60, as the reference price for 2019, people felt we were too ambitious. Indeed, at that time, prices had gone even below $60. Yes. Um, and so people said, why are you using $60? But we had done our analysis. We consulted extensively over 30 to 40 international and local experts who are used to chatting, tracking oil, the development of the oil market. 
and all our analysis indicated that the average price for 2019 was likely to be in the neighborhood of $70. That what we had was a temporary setback and that the prices would rise again. And so, based on the analysis, we decided to stick and to the $60. Um, people were uh, concerned that we're too ambitious. But what has happened? The prices have picked up. The average price, the prices now are about about seventy dollars. Yes. So the prices picked up. So basic based on our own analysis, oh. uh, that one it is clear that in spite of public opinion against it, and we decided to stick to it, that we so far the evidence suggests that the price that we have selected was a fair price. Now let us deal with the issue the of production. production. In the issue of production, we have the capacity to produce at least 2.5 million barrels of crude oil a day. We've not met that, we've not been able to produce at that capacity for a number of reasons. Yes. Some are logistical, some have to do with the, on, sometimes you have uh, interference and uh, uh, this activity in the Niger Delta, uh, militant activity, and so on. So what we want to do is to challenge LMPC to try and address all the constraints to production. Address them. Now, if we decided to drop the target to say 2 million barrels, then they would just relax. So, let us set them an ambitious target and let us push them to achieve that target. As I speak, I think they're almost about 2.2. If we had set it at 2, they would have been at, who knows, maybe 1.9 mm. now. Okay. So, it's good to set an ambitious target. And why is it important that we maximize our uh, revenue from crude oil? It is because crude oil is an asset that in the long term, the value will go down because substitutes are being developed for crude oil. Yes. We, well, people are talking about electric cars. And maybe in 10, 15 years' time, maybe most They're of the cars will be electric. talking about renewable energy as well. Renewable energy, using solar, using wind. Therefore, we have an asset which is valuable today, but may not be valuable in 20 years' time. So it is important for this nation that we maximize the value that we can get from crude oil today. Use that money and do infrastructure, do the rail, do the road, do uh, Mambela, power plants, and all that, so that by the time oil ceases to have a, a, a demand, value. value, we have built up our capital and we have moved away from oil and move to production, internal production as a means of wealth creation. So two, two, two things uh, came to mind when you were speaking. Uh, when you're talking about the fact that at the end of the day, you know, you did your chart, you spoke with experts, and that's why you pegged, you know, it at, you know, $63. That's $60. $60. That's yes. what you pegged the budget at. Uh, but then also, there have been arguments about why as a nation, you know, we are so... Because it's some sort of constraints that we are um, dependent on something that we do not really have a control over. If that is all we have to fund our budget, isn't that a big problem? It is. So what exactly is the government doing? We've heard about diversification, but we know economy is diversified, but the revenue isn't. So what is the government doing to, to, to change all that? Yes. If so that, why, that not at the the simple, why not at the mercy of global oil prices all the time? Yeah, that's, that's the point I was making. 
that this is a situation we found ourselves. We came in as a government with a dependence on crude oil. That is where we are today. But that is not where we want to be tomorrow. So our plan, anchored on the Economic Recovery and Growth Plan, is to diversify, is to become a nation where we grow what we eat and consume what we produce and become the powerhouse, production powerhouse of Africa. That is the plan. But in the short term, we need the revenues from oil to be able to fund our plan to be able to ensure that we create the infrastructure. What we want is the private sector to really develop because ultimately the wealth of Nigeria is not under the ground. No, the wealth of Nigeria is actually in our people. It is in the human resources that we have. And these human resources are some of the most enterprising people in the world. What we simply need to do is to create the enabling environment, to create uh, a transport infrastructure to give people power uh, to give them security and we believe that once we do that the natural natural enterprise of Nigerians will come to the fore we will find small-scale industrialists large-scale industrialists farmers thriving so that is the and when that happens government revenues will shift from depending on oil to on production let, let me also ask you this because i mean we talk a lot about crude oil but what about our gas supply we have we're the ninth we have the ninth largest supply of gas but we seem to concentrate on crude oil the most what is your government doing to make sure we also harness the potential that we have in the gas sector in indeed gas is very very important and most of the power projects uh, are based on gas. So we have an ambitious gas development uh, project. Uh, projects. We want uh, ex people to be able to, to look not just for crude oil, but for gas. Because right now, people find gas while looking for crude oil. Crude so oil it's is almost like a byproduct. By, but now we want people to actually look for gas. And so uh, basically, the, we're looking at growing industry on the back of gas. Uh, the whole petrochemical industry on the back of gas, power on the back of gas. So we have a very ambitious program for the development of gas. What, what is the incentive for multinationals especially, you know, to start to focus on gas as opposed to just crude oil? One of the challenges that we've had is gas pricing. Um, to get the price right, you have to get the price at a, a level that people will be encouraged to produce, but also at a level that consumers will not have to pay much, much more for. So that is the balancing act which we, 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 have, to, uh, we have to deal with. Um, because electricity depends a lot on gas, the, 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 the price of gas is important to the price of electricity that comes to the consumer. So those are the challenges. Uh, so we have a power sector recovery program that is trying to come in, government is coming in, to become like a buffer, to provide some short-term funding to make sure that we don't have to immediately take up the price of electricity in order to be able to get gas producers the price that they want to produce. So that is what we're doing. Government is, is coming it, Is in. it easy to, to do that balancing? Because, I mean, when you talk about the price of electricity, 
there is already issues. I mean, um, something that I hope I'm able to address with the Minister of Power at some point. There's already issues with the pricing because you have, whether it's the discos, complaining that, you know what, we don't get to charge enough. There's not enough for us to do what we need to do. And of course, NEC has been going around trying to balance as well. But then there are some Nigerians that will say, well, give us the power. We will pay for it. The problem we have right now is that we're, we're paying for what we do not use. Mm. So at the end of the day, you have to come to some sort of agreement on that, that, okay, you have to probably raise the gas prices so that electricity can also go up and then we can have production of electricity yes. at optimum speed. Yeah, thank you very much. You see, government has to protect both. Protect the consumer, protect the producer. So that is why I said government comes in between. And so there are a number of schemes, and I'm sure the Minister of, 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 of Power, Works and Housing will speak more about them when you talk to him. But there are a number of schemes that we're doing to try and marry the two. One is the willing buyer, willing seller uh, uh, process, in which we allow, if you have some buyers in a, a, in a say, in a, a, a particular uh, location or group of buyers, who are willing to pay more, they can enter into a direct agreement okay. with the supplier who can now supply at that price. However, we are a bit concerned about raising prices for everybody okay. because there are a lot of poor people who can't afford very high prices. So they also have to have to be protected. So that is why I said it is a balancing act. But we will get that balancing act right we must ensure that we increase production dramatically. We must ensure that every that we have 24-hour uninterruptible power to every Nigerian. That is our objective. In the meantime, what we are doing is because industry has a special need and we want to become the powerhouse of production. So we're promoting special economic zones in each geopolitical zone. The idea is that within those zones, we would have uninterruptible power, you'll have, uh, uh, you'll have security, you'll have water, you'll have uh, transportation, you'll have everything so that we can entice uh, manufacturers wherever they are, safe in China or wherever, or even domestically, to move there so that we now pr produce for exports. We have some advantages. We have uh, uh, hardworking uh, people. Uh, our, our, our wages are slightly lower uh, in, in, uh, in dollar terms than the wages, for instance, in, in, in China. So we, we believe that that can be an attraction to get some of these manufacturers moving to Nigeria. We're looking particularly at things like textiles. Textiles is an area that, because we have cotton in Nigeria, so Texas is an area that we believe that we could have a competitive advantage. Uh, so, um, which brings me actually to the economic recovery and yes, growth Yes, I was plan, going to go which, there. That Let's talk yes. about the economic recovery and growth plan. Yes. Um, there was a statement, you know, by the IMF that it had not met its targets. You true. know, do you agree with that statement? And what are you going to do to make sure that it meets its targets? Uh, thank you very much. It is true. Uh, that it hasn't met all its targets. Uh, when you have a plan, you continuously monitor it. You identify the areas that you haven't met and you work even harder in those areas. That is part of the beauty of a plan. So, for instance, our 
ultimate target is 7% growth rate. We are 2%. So we're still a long way from there. How do we hope to get there? We've only just started. The Economic Recovery and Growth Plan, people forget that it was only in 2017 it was launched. So it's just two years. So we've moved from recession in 2017 to 2%. That is a major, major progress. So we ultimately, and we're working hard, we expect to make 3% this year we intend that by next year will be about four or five percent the year That's after that seven percent yes because nigeria can make it nigerians they, they, we have to believe in ourselves you know you know the thing is is that the 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 beauty of nigeria is that we have internally the capacity to do it we have some of the best educated people who have been to you go to any top university anywhere in the world you see nigerians outperforming anybody else. It doesn't matter where you but go. But we've always had that thing about potential. Yes. It's about using So, it. So this government intends with that potential to translate it to actual achievement. The potential is there. If you don't have the potential, forget about even trying to achieve anything. We've had the potential for years. Yes. So that is why the government is saying enough of potential. Now it's time for achievement. It's time to get progress to get things going and this is how what nigerians need you see nigerians because of the past experience in unfulfilled promises nigerians are very skeptical so sometimes because if you hold yourself down there's no way you're going to move up so you have to first of all believe in yourself i believe in that that you must have a positive mentality if you look at people who succeed in life, there are people who have a positive mentality. If you put yourself down, you'll never succeed. Nigerians must develop that mentality. They must get to understand that we have potential. The reason why somebody like me, for instance, I mean, um, why did I accept to be a minister? I was a chairman of UAC, chairman of Union Bank, running a very large law firm. Because I believe that people must put something back to this nation. That this nation has a lot of potential. Potential that was unfulfilled. When I see my classmates, now I went to uni university in Oxford myself and I have classmates who reach the highest in their various countries. Indeed uh, Tony Blair was a year ahead of me in Oxford. And when you see some of these people, they say, ah, Nigeria you people are so bright, but where are you today? I want people to stop asking that question. Okay. I want a situation where we do so well that people come to study Nigeria rather than going to study Singapore. I, I, study hope, I hope we get And Lee Kuan Yew, if you read his book, mm. where they were, it was worse than where Nigeria is today. Within 30 years, 20, 30 years, they transformed Singapore. Nigerians can do it. Let, let's talk about some of the assum um, assumptions on the 2019 budget as president or president. Uh, inflation rates, mm -hmm. right? Yes. Um, we are at 11.3 as yes. we speak. Uh, the president, uh, the, the budget pegged it at nine. nine. Yes. How do we breach that gap? Do you think it will be done? 2019, we already up has the first quarter. Mm -hmm. Well, the, 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 this, these are ta target uh, inflation uh, rates. These are what we are targeting. And the reason why we are targeting it is that inflation takes away uh, 
can can work against development. In order to get faster development, you should bring down inflation. So our target is to bring down inflation. So we're working with the central bank to look for ways of bringing down inflation, which means tighter monetary policy. However, we are very careful to make sure that the tighter monetary policy doesn't constrain production. Because ultimately, growth is what you want. Yes. So sometimes you may need to, in the short term, sacrifice a little bit of inflation in order to get growth. It's a balancing act. And so that is what we would like to see, 9%. Uh, that is what we would like to see. We're working towards it. You have to have targets, a target we're working towards. But it's something that we, are, we can be a little flexible because ultimately the bottom line is growth. And so growth is our number one priority. So you don't see us meeting that target? We could. We could meet it. We're working towards it. Mm. But let, let's also talk about, um, you know, the issue of security where it concerns economic growth, right? We have had a huge spread of insecurity attacks all over the country. And that definitely contributes to how the economy grows because people get scared, investors get scared of coming in to invest, you know, in the country because their safety they don't think is guaranteed. Or what is your, because we hear, oh, the government is doing this, security agencies, I mean, the, the, the president told security agency chiefs that your Nigerians have to go to bed, you know, and sleep safely. But at the end of the day, it doesn't change the fact that every day I open my newspapers, I see a story about abductions and kidnappings and killings and all over the place. This, of course, is inimical to economic growth. How do you manage, how do you plan to manage that? Because so far, it doesn't seem like anything is working. Well, basically, as Minister for Budget and National Planning, uh, my responsibility is to try to make sure that we provide the resources uh, required for security. And so in every budget, uh, security has always been a priority. Uh, so you will find that, for in particular in the recurrent budget, because most of the requirements are, are recurrent, you find that in the recurrent budget, uh, Ministry of Interior and Ministry of Defense tend to have the highest. So basically, we are trying, we are providing the resources necessary uh, to ensure security. But the president, and the president takes security very, very seriously. And that is why you've been seeing a lot of meetings of the Security uh, Council and to look at identifying what the issues are and dealing with them. So one thing I can assure Nigerians is that Mr. President is on top of the situation and that you will see an improvement in the general level of security. Mm. We hope that we do see that. Um, but let, uh, let us also talk about, you know, how this, because um, somebody listening can say, okay, yeah, it sounds good, but how does it translate to me personally? I mean, to the end consumer, when I go to the market, will I still be able to afford this? Will things, I mean, at the end of the day, there, there are issues about Nigerians spending over 60% of their income on food alone. If an average person is spending that much on food, there is nothing left for investment. There is nothing left for school fees and things like that. At the end of the day, how do you translate all of the economic plans to start to reflect on the lives of the average Nigerians? They don't have to spend so much of their income on food. What do you want to do about food pricing? I mean, the, I think the, the, the major thing, and that is why I refer to the Economic Recovery and Growth Plan, the major issue, way to address all these problems is increased production 
if you produce more of something, the price comes down. If you produce more of rice, you produce more of well, What was that production of food? It's just storage and processing. Those and have been main issues. No, but you, okay, you have to get production up. Uh, then you deal with storage. Then you deal with distribution. On distribution, we're spe- that's why we're putting a lot of money on roads. Uh, on rural roads, uh, on the major roads. That's why we're putting money on railway to get distribution. So basically what we are doing is increase production, increase processing, increase preservation, increase distribution by infrastructure. Um, So one thing you can be sure is that as all our plans, as all the things that we are doing, as as they work out, many of these prices will come down. Because once there is much more of a commodity, the price comes down. That is the way the market functions. And so that is what we are targeting. So we are supporting agriculture. You have the Anchor Boras program, uh, uh, single digit interest rates to, to farmers. We have supporting, f- f- bringing fertilizer prices down. Uh, we have an arrangement uh, with Morocco to bring in phosphates to process and um, manufacture fertilizer here. And we've managed to bring fertilizer prices down. We are mapping the Ministry of Agriculture is mapping every single soil type in Nigeria so that he, he can tell you in wherever you are, in whatever state you are, whichever community you are, what the best fertilizer for that particular soil type, depending on the particular product that you, 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 you want to produce. And we're putting all these things together. So there's a lot of work that is going on in supporting agriculture so as to increase production and bring prices down. Then also, you need manufacturing. Because if you produce, you need a demand for that production. As you said, processing, you can overproduce and you find that the, 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 the agricultural produce now go bad. So you need manufacturing. Because manufacturing helps to lengthen the life of a particular product. So if you produce a, a, a mango, for instance, the life of that mango, the life of mango, I don't know what it will be, maybe two, three weeks. But if you now make it into juice or pulp, you could you could have a, a much longer yes. storage, preservation, and so on. So those are the things that we are doing. So it's multifaceted, but we are working on all, all in all points. directions. What we want is multiple engine. We want a multiple engine of production. So we're working together with the various ministries, various things to make sure, we're even working with the states as well. We meet with the states regularly. We had a retreat for all the governors, you know, to look at the economy, look at production, look at agriculture, because the land is actually in the states. The federal government doesn't have much land. So we have to work with the states uh, to make sure these things happen. So there's a lot of activity going on. I mean, no matter how much you do about, uh, how much you do on economic, you know, growth and you know the ERGP and all of that if the economy is not growing at the same pace as the population rate it's always going to seem like it's not enough yes and that is a big problem that we do have our yes. population is growing at about 3.2 percent that is true our economic growth is is less way less than that the issue of population is something that we pride ourselves that oh Nigeria is the most populated black country but it doesn't seem to have helped us so far what are you going to do about population? I know the government tries to shy away from it. The Minister of Finance spoke about it at some point. Yes. And then she had to walk it back. So what are you going to do? We have to stop 
shying away from it. If we want to talk about countries like China, they have to do something about population. We have to stop shying away from it. Is your government ready to confront that head on, regardless of religious criticism or you know cultural criticisms what do you even have a plan where population is concerned we do we're working with the ministry of health my ministry mr budget and national planning if you look at the rgp we're working there is a plan however the plan depends on a number it doesn't depend on compulsion okay it depends on a number of things firstly educating uh the girl child we believe that when you educate women, you educate women, it leads to, because of that, consci- the, the more educated a woman becomes, the fewer children she tends to have because she now has a job and she has other responsibilities and so on. So educating women. Two, educating people generally, um, working with organizations and all that uh, to point out that you can actually give each child much better chances of a good life if you have fewer. So it's a campaign on that. We believe There's also, a campaign? We haven't heard about it. No, we, 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 we're, we're okay. The Ministry of Health is, but we will move much more aggressively in the second term in terms of that campaign. Now, um, when a nation gets more prosperous also, statistics have shown, if you look at countries, Population level of population growth goes down. So once a nation gets much more prosperous, so we believe that a more prosperous nation will also lead to population coming down. But to address your question about people feeling the impact, it is important that we achieve the seven percent, because at the seven percent, even with a, 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 a two, two three percent population growth, people will feel the impact. So seven percent is important, and seven percent is the minimum that we believe we should achieve. I believe personally that Nigeria can achieve ten percent or more, and seven percent is where we are headed. But I believe we can even do better than that. By the time we are growing at ten percent, by the time you will find that population itself will start coming down because with a more prosperous society. You find that in most countries, the population comes down of, of, of its own. Population leaders of population growth yes. comes down of its own. And if it doesn't, then you can f- begin to do much more of looking at other methods. But we haven't reached that stage yet. Are you sure? Because we're busting at the Sims as it is. And of course, according to reports, you know, by international bodies like World Bank and Go, we have the largest number of poor people in the country. Number one. So I want you to address that. Because, number two because, is because this. they're looking at they're looking at Nigeria in thirty years time if we continue at this rate. At this rate. I don't think we will continue at this rate. You sound I, so I positive about so. it. I don't think so. Because I think that with greater prosperity, with educating women, when you educate a woman, she marries later. Because when she goes through school and all that, marries later. When she marries later, she has fewer children. And so a number of these measures will by themselves begin to kick in and reduce the level of population growth. So I do not myself believe if we get all all these programs and policies right, those worst 
est the estimates of this thing, I don't think they, they will be realized. Uh, you're saying that estimates presently you don't believe we have the largest number of poor people? No, 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 no. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that in the next, people talk about the next 20, 30 years, Nigeria becoming the third most populous country in the world. Now, what I'm saying is if the ERGP succeeds, and I believe it will, and we get prosperity, and we also get more women educated, that the idea that Nigeria will become the third largest, third most populous country, yes. it may not happen. Because the level of population growth should start to reduce when, as we succeed in a lot of the programs and policies that, 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 that we're doing. But, nevertheless, I still believe, and I believe, that, in the, that there should be a campaign you know, to educate Nigerians more about the need to manage the sizes of their families. I believe that. And I believe that in the next level, as uh, Buhari comes back in his next term, that that campaign, you know, is likely, is likely to be intensified. You talk about one of the plans being educating the girl child and educating people, you know, generally. But one of the things that, you know, um, has been put on blast especially i mean i'm not talking about the administration i'm talking about your administration in particular has been the very low budget for human capital development where education is concerned especially whether it was in the 2018 budget or even the um assumptions in the 2019 uh, budget presented by the president if you have such disparity between how much you actually invest in education your plan seems to, you know, even before it takes off, be failing. How do you address human capital development? How do you make sure that there's more investment, especially when you have the budget not capturing as much? Well, first of all, uh, there has been a massive increase in budget allocation to education as well as to health. Uh, let me share with you some numbers. In 2015, the federal government allocation, uh, that was uh, before we came in, the budget was $23.52 billion for capital. Uh, in 2016, we took it up to $35.99 billion, um, including UBEC, $77.11 billion. In 2017, we took it up again, capital for education, to 56.81 billion naira. If you include UBEC, that will be that was 95.19 billion naira. In 2018, the capital allocation for education went up to 102.91 billion naira. Now, so uh, in short, between 20, 20, uh, in 2015. It was 23 billion. By 2018, 102 billion. How now, much of it was actually released? Uh, a lot of it was released. Education is a priority. Most of it is released. So that, if that doesn't show concern about education, I don't know what does. People keep on talking about percentage. You know, percentage, in my view, is not the best way to track these things. Because a percentage of what? What you need is how much has oh. actually been allocated. So education is a priority and it shows in terms of our allocation. Let me talk about health. 
In 2015, the capital allocation to health was 22.68 billion naira. In 2016, we took it up slightly to 28.65 billion naira. By 2017, we took it up to 55.61 billion naira. And by 2018, we took health budget up to 86.49 billion naira. And in addition to that, we set aside 55.15 billion naira under the National Health Act implementation. So the total to health was 86, the capital, plus 55 billion for under the National Health Act, which was the first year we implemented it. Uh, it was the it was the law had been passed about four years ago. It was only implemented for the first time in 2018. Why was it? So, why did so, it take so long to implement it if it was passed? Well, I can't answer for the previous government. I can only answer for for it's four years ago. But you know, you're yes, getting government was, for it was for three it was years, so. yes. They didn't implement it. That's what we inherited, and now we worked out a strategy to implement it. So it took you succeeded. two years to it work out the strategy. Most things take time. You have to find the money. Have to find the money. We came in at a time that oil prices collapsed. We had no resources. Prices went down for 110 US dollars to less than 30 dollars. Production went to below one million barrels a day. We didn't have the resources. But as soon as we got the resources, we 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 funded this thing. So basically, health and education are priorities of this administration. They are priorities of the Economic Recovery and Growth Plan. They are the underlying priorities because without the human human being being looked after, all the other things cannot kick in. So they are priorities. But beyond the federal government allocation, you also have to look at the states because education and health, uh, primary education, and most secondary education is principally the state governments. Same thing with primary health care. It's principally yeah. the state government. So in order to be able to truly analyze the spending on health, you have to also add the spending by the state governments. And some analysts don't do that. And so they don't truly represent and reflect the national priority which has been given to health and education. Because when they compare us with other countries, which are not federations, uh, they look at the federal budget and that's all. But in our case, you have to look at the federal and the and states. The state well. And you find that in most states, education and health are priority spending in most states. Hmm. Okay. Well, we'll keep monitoring that definitely because at the end of the day, we need to see that reflect for the average Nigerian that we can see children being taken off the streets, you know, as opposed to selling on the streets and, you know, just roaming around when they are supposed to be in school. But, you know, we're spending a lot of money on immunization, on, on you know, immunization, uh, the Gavi immunization, and we're bringing down... Uh, we're, we're protecting uh, our, our, our children. So there's a lot of work that government is doing. However, I have to say that there's always more work to be done. The work of government is never finished. And no matter how much government is in, there's always some more that needs to be done. And that is why each year we intensify the work that we do. Uh, we, because our ultimate aim is to ensure that every Nigerian 
feels the impact of government. The, the home um, grown school feeding program, you know, yes. that is also supposed to help get children to school and keep them in school. Yes. But of course, you get to hear reports about how some people are using it for some corruption rackets or how some of the children get to eat and then they go back home. It obviously maybe has done something, but has not done as much as was expected. How do you make sure that it, it helps you meet your targets? Well, the, the, the glass is half full, which is good. It's not full. Because even the homegrown school feeding is so far only in 30 states. We intend to make it in all states. There are right now uh, 9,536,860 pupils in 30 states. So we still have more more uh, uh, to be done and any exercise that you 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 attempt there's always it's it can't be perfect uh there will be people who try to abuse it what we do is to try and put in checks and monitoring so that as soon as any of that comes to uh, attention we deal with them um, there's a specialized unit in the office of the vice president uh, dealing with the school feeding program we work in collaboration with the states because the states know their schools and they are so, so we work closely with the states uh, otherwise if we try to do it directly we would have to we would need to employ so many people and would end up spending money on another bureaucracy so we work with the states to reduce the level of bureaucracy to make sure that most of the money goes to the food itself purchasing the food and ensuring that the food gets to the children. Mm. Let's return to the budget right now. Um, let's talk about the fact that the 2018 budget was at 9.1 uh, trillion, and um, the proposal for for the budget for 2019 by the president was at 8.8 trillion. And you know, you were quoted as saying that part of the reason the budget for 2019 is lesser is because of the debt issue. Mm. But what is still obvious is that we're going to be spending a lot on debt servicing. If we're in the 2019 budget. So how do we manage our debt problem? Um, the government has been called out on that several times, especially by the National Assembly and other economic experts about the fact that there's a lot of borrowing going on and, um, you know, there's a lot of debt servicing going on. How do you intend to manage that? Well, let, let, let me say that borrowing, without borrowing, we would still be in a recession today. The borrowing helped to get us out of recession because the way you get out of recession is by spending. And when you don't have the revenues, you have to borrow. So the borrowing was necessary. It has, and it has worked because not out of recession. And the borrowing is prudent. Our, uh, our, our debt to GDP ratio is about 19%, which is compared to most countries quite low. So that isn't our problem. Our problem is revenues. We need more revenues to be able to meet our debt service. And so that is why I said that the Ministry of Finance has a team working on ways to increase our revenues. Ways to, first of all, make sure that we collect all taxes that are due. Our tax-to-GDP ratio is very low. So we need to make sure that Nigerians who earn income and who should pay taxes Nigerian companies and others who need to pay taxes 
actually pay their taxes. So that is one way we're doing it. Then we're also looking at government agencies, the various government agencies to try to make sure that the money that they generate, that we can capture as much of it into the budget. Uh, and we should, they should watch their spending, be prudent in their spending, so that we can capture the, the funds into the budget. So there are a number of things that we're looking at. But it's a revenue problem. That is really what we have. And so we'll, we want to seek the cooperation of Nigerians uh, that this is a government that has shown sincerity. A government has shown prudence in spending. So it's a government that you can trust. And so when we say pay your taxes, please pay your taxes. Because those taxes are required to provide the services without which even your businesses cannot continue to grow. So when you pay your taxes, we use that money and provide services that your businesses now grow. So it's actually a virtuous circle, uh, 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 cycle actually. Because for instance, if we, you pay your taxes, we now build the road to your factory. It brings down the cost of your, your of, production, of, of, of your and, production and so on. So it is actually something... So we believe in working in partnership with the private sector to let people appreciate the need to pay their taxes. Let, let's talk about working in partnership with the private sector. Yes. Um, a number of experts talk about how um, the government, your government, seems to just pay lip service to working with the private sector. At the end of the day, government still wants to be in charge of a lot of things. You know, what's your defense to that? I don't think we pay lip service. In fact, every quarter... We have a, a meeting, you know, with organized private sector and all that, in which we go through what we're doing, find out what their problems are, and also seek to address their problems. We are, we've had several, a lot of initiatives dealing with the private sector. We had the Economic Recovery and Growth Plan Focus Labs, in which we brought investors together with bureaucracy, with government officials, to try and see what are the constraints, what can we do better, how can we help businesses. Our job is to help businesses that is why government is here so so how why why is it that um, some members of the private sector do not believe that that is what is happening how what is the what is that gap in between you know the communication gap between your government and the private sector how do you bridge that by communicating more by things like this program by telling them that if you have a problem please uh, come the the nipc in particular is set up for that purpose, the Nigerian Investment Promotion Commission. They're set up for that purpose. They have a one-stop shop that you can ac access. They're also online. So please, if you have a problem, any issue, don't grumble about it. Come to us. For instance, even on the budget, the, the, the budget office has a dedicated this thing. It has a, 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 a line uh, it has a, 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 an interactive uh, com service uh, online that you can access. But people, rather than doing that, lots of times you hear them grumbling here or grumbling there. Come to us. If you have a problem, don't be shy. There is no charge for it. Are you Please, sure? There is no charge. Because there's a lot of bureaucracy and people no, who tend to no do charge. what they need to do there in agencies. Is, if you have a problem, please let us know. Let us know the problem. Okay. Because unless we know the problem, we can't address them. But one thing I want to emphasize is that without the success of the private sector, the Economic Recovery and Growth Plan cannot succeed. Therefore, we cannot be against the private sector because we need the private sector. And so 
please people should 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 feel free to to contact us if they have any problem whatsoever contact us as i said the nipc set up just, just for, that. for that if there's a budget issue the budget office uh we we are changing the face of government we spend a lot of time those of us who came in as ministers we spend a lot of time with the bureaucracy explaining to them that what we why we are here the resident debt of the civil service the resident debt of government we're not here to look after ourselves. We're here to serve the people. That is the only reason. I mean, you, it's, uh, everything you say sounds so nice. You know, uh, the, the issue is at the end of the day, the translating of this to everyday reality for Nigeria. It needs, it needs continuous application. You start off, you meet something in a, not in a very good state. You can't transform it overnight. What it needs is continuous work. And that is what we're dedicated to doing. Okay. But continuous work, mm. talking to the civil servants, talking to the civil service, letting them understand that really we are here to serve the people. Okay. A few more questions before I let you go, sir. Let me ask you about, uh, you know, the budget cycle. How important is it for it to return to the January, December? Because some people would argue that, well, I mean, if it was the 2018 budget was passed in, in June. And so now the 2019 budget, you know, the the National Assembly has passed is just to translate it to the government. And so there's no lapse, really, because it still covers. But then there yeah. are other arguments that you have to return to the January, December cycle. How important is that? And what do you intend to do? Because there's a lot of horse trading and blame yes, trading I, everywhere. I, I, I don't know. want to bring that up. I know. So I know. how do I you know. intend to return to that? I know. Uh, let me say that legally, we are fine. I mean, the budget last, the 2018 uh, uh, budget was passed in June by its, uh, by its uh, provisions. It's for one year. Still running. Still running till June. So we don't have any legal problem. There are no legal, there are no legal issues. However, in planning, because the budget is not a budget just for government. It's a, a budget that it should signal to the private sector. And so in order to do that, the, most of the private sector have a January to December fiscal year. And so for their planning, they need to know what government's plans are. So that is why it's important for us to go back to January to December fiscal year. Another reason is important is that it's very difficult to track where you have a recurrent budget running from January to December, capital budget running from June to June. A lot of overlap tracking becomes quite difficult. And so the ideal should be January to December. However, when a budget starts in June or July, in order to get the next budget to be January to December, you have to complete work in, on the new budget, say by September, at a time when you've not even operated the, the current budget at all. So you don't even know what to put in the new budget. For instance, assuming you have a project which you have not even started funding in the 2018 budget, how do you know whether the project is going to be completed so you don't need to put in the 2019 budget? Or is it only 50% that's going to be done so you put 50%? Or is it going to be only 20% so you put 80%? You just don't have a clue. Well, it seems to me now, for what you're saying, that that may never happen. No, it can January, happen. December it, can, it can happen. It is, I'm just telling you the challenges. In order for it to, to happen, 
the two sides, the executive and the National Assembly, have to sit down and work it out and say, we're going to make a number of assumptions here. We want you, because ultimately, if we send them to you and you don't accept them, then it becomes difficult. Let us sit down and do it together. In order for that to happen, the chemistry between the executive and legislature has to be right. Unfortunately, because of the nature of the way the leadership emerged in 2015, in both the Senate and the House, that chemistry was never fully achieved. Because you know what you need is a situation where the executive and the leadership sit down together as one group with one common purpose and say, we must achieve it. Which means that when the budget gets to the National Assembly, they don't spend much time on it. There is no fault finding, looking for this thing on either side. Um, so that is what we need. It, and why I say it, is, it can be achieved is that if the new leadership of the National Assembly that emerges is totally aligned with the executive, they have to be totally aligned because it is a difficult exercise, an exercise that requires a real rapprochement, a real intensive feeling of one government to achieve it. And it can be achieved. So if the leadership of the National Assembly that emerges is a leadership that feels totally aligned with the executive, they can sit down and it can be done. It's a human problem. That is all it is. It's a human problem. Uh, and and it, it can be done. Yes. And, I'm, I, and I feel that if that were to happen, they will sit down and they say, you know what, let's do it. And then once you do it the first time, you get it back. Subsequent years will be well, will be easy. much easier. Yes, will be easy. Uh, because there were complaints about MDAs not turning up to defend you see, they, know, they, the budget they, that when is, they that called is, them to that come. That is why I'm saying that. Once the two sides are not aligned, then false finding starts. Mm. Uh, there'll always be something. No, no matter how you do a budget, it cannot be perfect. There are millions of items in the budget. If someone is looking for a fault somewhere, you can always they find, will, they a will fault. find it. So, but the issue is that. But if the two sides are working together on the same template with a commitment, a joint commitment. So in short, we have to clap with two hands. The executive cannot achieve it alone. No matter how uh, determined the executive is, they cannot achieve it alone. The National Assembly cannot achieve it alone either, no matter how determined they are. The only way it can be achieved is if the two sides come together and they sit down and say, you know what? Let us do this in the interest of Nigeria. And I believe it can be done. So let's talk about, you know, because you're saying if you're going to go back to that cycle, you have to start preparing from September. Do you think... Not preparing from September. You have to finish, have to finish by, finish by September. September. Do you think yes. that's possible this year? Of course. Why not? If the, the When the 2019... But you don't even have it yet. We don't have it. Assuming the 2019 budget is signed into law, say, in June. Or end of May or June. Assuming it's signed into law in June. The new leadership emerges uh, in the National Assembly. And sometime in June, the executive sits down with the leadership of the National Assembly and says, this is what needs to be done. Can we agree to do it together? 
it has to be joint. The credit has to, will be joint because no side can claim credit. For but, but according to what you said about yes. the fact that, I mean, you have not even finished spending this, so you don't even know what to put in the next one. Th- that's what th- I'm th- saying. Th- that problem they still ha- exists. No, what I'm saying is you now have to assume some things. That assumption requires the two sides agreeing. You may decide, for instance, to agree that this budget, the budget that we're running right now, will expire in December, whatever happens. So we're going to assume that it's only going to be a 30% spend. Okay. And, and both sides agree. Okay. So we don't introduce any new projects. And both sides agree. You know, that those things need political. This thing. It's just like I can, can I agree that we introduce no new projects. So in short, the 2020 is just a continuation of 2019. We introduce no new projects. We introduce no this thing. We just repeat most of the 2019 projects in 2020. We assume that we're only going to do, say, 30% or 20% of it. So we'll put 70% of it. And we all agree to that. If that is agreed, you can finish the budget. Oh. You, can finish, you can finish the budget in one or two months. Say the National Assembly, they don't waste time. They pass it in November. By December, it's signed into law. That need, that is what I'm talking about. It would need a lot of assumptions to be made. And it means that both sides have to sit down and say, let us do this in the national this interest. Okay. And that's why I said you need the two sides. You need the executive, you need the National Assembly. It can be done. I have been on both sides. I was chairman of the committee in the Senate. I was chairman of the planning committee of the Senate. I've been minister for budget. So, and I know that if the two sides decide to decide do to do it it can be done okay quickly one last question what do you think about the AFCTA? do you see nigeria signing anytime soon well i'm not actually handling that as a ministry of yes. uh, of investment so i'm not uh on top fam- of that on top of it i'm not familiar okay. with exactly but i know that a lot of work has been done consultation has been done but i wouldn't i couldn't tell you exactly, exactly where things are where things are thank you so much um you. you know senator Ododoma for stopping by and talking to us um i wish you had the 2019 budget then we would have had you know more conversations at that as well so we'll just wait until that gets to you thank but i also you. do know that handover is, is imminent so we might not be able to talk uh you know before that happens but hopefully if you uh you know return as a minister we would uh, like to call on you again to come and talk about the 2019 budget thank you very much for having me i I have to say that um i'm one of those who's very optimistic about nigeria you know we always have issues every country has issues if you look at where some countries similar to us in the u.s were 200 years ago 100 years ago they had the same issues i believe our issues can be solved and i believe that what we need to do is to concentrate on the positive and stop talking about the negatives. Thank you. Thank you so much, sir.